White Chicks in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora. Hello, everyone. Hi, welcome back to the Two I Chicks in China podcast. We've both caught the plague. We have indeed. But nevertheless, we are here and recording the podcast for your listening enjoyment, <laughs> <laughs> or not, because you might get a sniff or a cough. So before we start, as always, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has left us a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, and anywhere for that matter, if you've left a review on our um, Facebook page, that's Two White Chicks. We really appreciate that too. It's really nice. And also to everyone who is a patron on our Patreon page, that's Patreon.com/TwoWhiteChicks. And for those of you who don't know what Patreon is, if you're new to the show, people who create free content like Nora and I can create a page on Patreon. And those of you who want to support us can leave us small pledges, monetary pledges. And at some point in the future, Nora and I are going to release patron-only content. So hopefully that should be videos. And we've already reached our goal, so we do have some stuff in the pipeline. Two eye chicks on a train <laughs> is one such idea. So,、um, if you're a, a patron on Patreon, hopefully you will see some content on there soon. We are spamming you at the top of the show because as we a reminder, <laughs> we are on our own now. Holly and I have taken over the show. We are still friends with WrittenChinese.com, but we are no longer sponsored by them. So we are looking for. Ways to support the show and continue doing it because we love to do it. So that's one of the ways you can do it. And we also have set up a kit on kit.com. You can search two white chicks on kit.com, and you can find a really cool list of stuff that is for sale on Amazon that is essential or recommended for your next trip to China. Yeah, I'll also add the links to our Patreon page and to kit.com in our show notes. Let's get onto the show, Holly.、Eh? Yes. What's your <laughs> fact, please? So Beijing is building the world's largest airport, which you know it's about time. Yeah, it aren't there several up there? I, I think so. Yeah, and、uh, it shouldn't be a surprise to many、mm. people. Imagine how many people in China and how many people fly out of Beijing. Um, what what's cool about this airport is that you can see your loved ones actually pass the security point. So in most airports, you say goodbye and then they go through security and they wander off to the gate and you don't see them until they come back. But in this new airport, you can stand on the fifth floor, which is the highest point of this the world's largest terminal.、Mm -hmm. Um, and you have a bird's eye view of passengers across a glass bridge after the security screenings. So this is taken from the South China Morning Post. Again, we put the links in the show notes. WrittenChinese.com/slash. Episode one three four. Unlike the usual design that security checkpoints block visitors and passengers, people who see their family members and friends off can actually see them walk to the gates or wander about in the waiting area. It's a very considerate design," said Zhang Ru, spokeswoman of Beijing New Airport Construction Headquarters. Um, so the airport's pretty cool in a lot of ways. It has a futuristic shape. It resembles a giant hexagon starfish or an <laughs> alien base, <laughs> as dubbed by some internet users.、Mm. Mm -hmm. It's also meant to handle more aircraft and to keep passengers' walks to a minimum. 
And finally, it will feature five outdoor gardens at the end of the five wings where travelers can wait for flights. So that's pretty mm, sweet. Sounds nice. Yeah, a little out, outdoor action. I am curious about this um, idea of being able to see your loved ones. Because for me, when I leave, when I'm taking a flight and say, for example, I'm coming back here from home, it's always kind of sad like and a bit traumatic. So once I kind of say bye to my parents, for example, I just want, that's it. I just want to cut it off and just like, I don't want to see them again. I just yeah. want to get on the flight and, okay, have my cry for like five minutes and then just be done with it. I don't want to have to see them again and just be like, oh, now start, like I'll start crying all over again. Well, know? I wonder how you, how well you can actually see them from five floors above through a That's glass a bridge. I That's mean, like, point. is it just little ants? Maybe they'll sell like telescopes or something. You know, you can, when you go to the seaside and you can put like a quarter, a quarter into the telescope and you can see. That's a great idea and very creepy. <laughs> Well, if you're going to be flying into Beijing a year from now, you may have a chance to see it for yourself, and we would love it if you're listening to the show that far into the future to tell us what your experience was like. Shall we move on to some news? Yes. Um, so this may be something that our listeners have already heard about. This news article is about the Flaunt Your Wealth Challenge. Oh. Um, have you heard about this? I've heard about the mo- this movement. The movement, yeah. So I, this actually began when a Russian DJ posted a photo of himself on Instagram, but basically it's gone completely viral in China. So the idea is you have to create an image of yourself basically flaunting your wealth. It started with this this DJ who pretended to fall out of his private jet and the picture just went crazy on Instagram. But now in China, people are posting pictures of them falling out of their very expensive cars and all of their expensive phones and iPads are all over the floor, um, basically to show how much stuff they have. So more than a million posts of challenges have been seen on Chinese social media, um, specifically on Weibo. There are some great pictures. So as I said, this is not something that's... Although this has happened in China, if you just search for the Flaunt Your Wealth Challenge, you'll find lots of news articles out there with lots of pictures. And of course, if you are on Instagram, you can search for the hashtags. They're using um, hashtag falling stars. I'm sure you can check them out because some of them are really good. <laughs> like, it's cringeworthy, but it's actually super interesting. What a wholesome activity that you can participate in. <laughs> I know, that's it. And um, so people have obviously, a lot of people who are participating in this challenge are obviously part of this rising wealth in China, the middle classes, because they really are like, the stuff they're showing off, the cars that are in the images, these guys have money. Um, but there are people in China who are kind of, you know, being a little bit tongue-in-cheek. There was one woman who created this image of herself falling out of her, just standard car, but everything that fell out of her handbag was like snacks and just like, <laughs> you know, things that normal people have, um, which was which was really good. And actually, the government have been really on board with this, and they said, quote, the young generation dare to express themselves. They flaunt their love and commitment for work. If everyone is hardworking at the work at hand, it will be the biggest wealth for the society. Mm. So the maybe the English in that isn't a perfect translation of what was originally said, but the they're really on board with this kind of idea that the um, Chinese people are like proud of themselves and they're hardworking. Therefore, they have they've been able to afford these things. They should flaunt them if they want to. <laughs> yeah, you think so? I feel like the government um, is not crazy, super crazy about people being 
extremely extravagant with all and being super showy yeah in general but uh, this article apparently claimed that the government were like yeah we think this is good huh yeah that surprises me um apparently someone has already been you know in trouble with this one woman was fined for parking illegally after pausing uh like hanging out of her car surrounded by luxury items on a pedestrian crossing <laughs> uh, i don't know how much she was fined um but she her post attracted more than a thousand comments and obviously she got some critical uh reviews because she was obviously being ridiculously dangerous <laughs> what a what is a measly parking ticket to somebody of that <laughs> right level of wealth anyway sure it probably wasn't much i doubt maybe a thousand rmb or something mm. Let's link to that in the show notes because I definitely want to check out some of those photos even though mm-hmm. I think I'm also going to cringe as I, look, as I look at them. Yeah, when I first read the article, I originally saw about this on China Wire, which is uh, just on WeChat. But then I was super, like quite curious, so I ended up searching online for more and I just there's a lot of stuff online. It's not like a secret. So maybe people out there already know. There are, there are lots of pictures. <laughs> Well, I guess if you're that wealthy, you can hire a good photographer too, so probably the pictures are cool. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Some of them look really good, and actually a lot of people have been using this to their own benefit to promote their own companies, and um, I saw a couple, um, one guy who was promoting his gym, and another uh, woman who was, I think, promoting her, like own makeup brand or something mm-hmm. so in a way i kind of like it it's cringe it's cringeworthy but i also think okay if you're going to use it to your own benefit then you are too why not i can just see it. a series because this is where my head is at right now of as a mother of a toddler of like moms doing this with their like handbags falling open that has like oh, the yeah. wet wipes and the diapers and like the half-eaten snacks mm. <laughs> all the stuff that typically I'm in my handbag nowadays yeah. i wouldn't be surprised if someone had done something like that it's, yeah you could Take it in a lot of different directions. So let's move on to today's topic. We got a question on Facebook, right? Yep. Um, Our question comes from Hannah and she says, Hi Holly and Nora, I hope you're both well. I emailed a few weeks ago to say how much I'm enjoying the podcast and just wanted to drop you another note to say how helpful it has been over the last few days. So... What she says next is a little bit of an ego boost for us, but I'm still going to read it. (laughs) I just arrived in Beijing and will soon be starting my master's studies here. Your podcasts have kept me company on the journey and provided much needed reassurance after many emotional goodbyes this week. Um, This sounds weird, but you guys have sort of been like traveling companions for me, which has been super helpful given that I'm quite apprehensive about returning to China. I just got goosebumps. That's so nice. Uh, having had a somewhat bad experience the last time I was here, that sucks. So we hope that, um, actually Hannah sent this message a little while ago, so I hope that since she's been back in Beijing, things have been a little more pleasant for her. Um, she says, thank you for keeping me company and helping me believe that things are going to be okay. They are. Um, So here's a question. I guess this gives rise to a question which I'd be interested to get your opinions on. Apologies if this has already been covered. Uh, I haven't finished going through your podcast back catalogue yet. (laughs) What have you found is the best way to bounce back from any negative experiences you've had in China? I'm thinking of things like culture shock, initial feelings of disorientation and not understanding what's going on around you. 
getting occasionally overwhelmed by the attention you receive as a foreigner, or more stressful experiences like having to deal with the police or with personal health and well-being issues arising whilst in China. It would be interesting to hear your thoughts. Thanks again for a great podcast and have a good week. Thank you, Hannah, for sending this question, and I think this is one that most people can identify with who have traveled abroad, and those who are planning for a trip abroad can also benefit from hearing a little bit about experiences that are not always super sunny. So we're looking forward to addressing this question today. I think some things you can do to prepare yourself for culture shock you can do before you actually travel. So one of the things that can really help is just before you come to learn about the country as much as possible.、Um, take some time to read some books about things that are interesting to you about the culture or about the history of the country, and just finding subjects that really interest you about a culture can really help you to enrich your experience when you're there in the host country. Yeah, I've heard stories from. Quite a few foreigners that have come here, who are really, really into Chinese culture, and I think they have been able to immerse themselves in the culture a lot more. They seem to just love all aspects about China, which is which is awesome. But it's not as easy for everyone. I'm certainly not like that. I've traveled abroad before coming to China quite a bit, and so I kind of knew that I wouldn't have as much of a problem adapting because I'm just used to feeling disoriented and strange in a new environment. I didn't really learn much of anything before coming here to China, and I kind of personally that's my style. I like it better、mm-hmm. that way. I don't like to come with certain expectations. I kind of like to just. Get here and just be totally immersed, but that is definitely not for everybody. No. So if you know yourself, if you know you're generally pretty adaptive, then that you don't necessarily need to go reading a bunch of books before you travel. Still might be of interest to you, but I don't think it's a requirement if you are just a personality type that handles change really well. I think even if you do try and prepare yourself. Um, as Nora suggested, to like read some books or even get online. There are actually in preparing for this episode,、um, I found several websites that I'll link to in the show notes to prepare people in a way. These are the things that you may come across that may surprise you. <laughs> They'll probably be very different to your own culture. So, you know, if you're somewhat aware that these things that you may come across these things, then I suppose you can em- emotionally prepare yourself for when those things happen. I guess. Definitely, and I think it makes a huge difference in a country like China whether you live in Shanghai, Beijing,、mm. Shenzhen versus in an inner city.、Um, from my experience, even though things have developed since I lived in Chengdu eight oh nine years ago now, I know that the reality in a smaller town is still very different from being in a city like Shenzhen. Uh, Hannah specifically mentioned about being overwhelmed by the attention you receive as a foreigner.、Mm. Um, that will still happen in any city that you are in、yeah. in China, even in a city like Shenzhen, which has a pretty decent foreigner population, and a city like Shanghai as well. You're still gonna get that attention.、Um, and for me, I would always kind of go through phases where some days it wouldn't really bother me that much, and other days I just. It was really, really frustrating,、um, and I think just to keep a perspective on the whole thing, 
you can consider the alternative. I mean, living in some countries as a foreigner is actually dangerous, you know, especially as a female. And so China, at least, like, well, it has these kind of quirky things, like it may be weird to be looked at all the time and that may be strange to you and feel invasive. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> and if you can just kind of get over it because you're not going to change people. Like in the beginning, I would like stare back at people thinking that it would embarrass them. Mm -hmm. No, no, I don't think that's ever, they would just stare back at me. They would almost yeah. never avert their eyes. And so you're not going to change it. You're just not. And especially in a, a big city, you just get a lot of migrants who have never seen a foreigner before. I mean, you have to kind of, I'm not saying it's something that isn't rude <laughs> for us, yeah. but um, I think if you put it into perspective, like some of these people have actually never seen a foreigner in their life. So right. everybody that they've seen looks similar to them. And so when they see somebody that's totally different, it's normal for them to be curious and they may not be handling it in the most appropriate mannered according to our standards but it's not something that i think that is aggressive like mm -hmm. it's not something that they're doing to make you feel uncomfortable yeah but yeah that's it i think what you just said there like it's it may seem rude to us but no one's trying to be offensive if they're if people are looking at you or i mean the big thing is trying to take pictures um you'll get a lot of sneaky picture takers but you'll also get a lot of people will come up to you and ask or, or not ask, but they'll try and get you to take a picture with them. No one's trying to be rude or offensive. Like, you just either, if you don't want to, if you really genuinely don't, then, you know, don't you don't need to be rude about it. Just say, say no, no, thank you, whatever. But actually, sometimes it's best just to go with it and just, like, embrace it. Mm -hmm. Unless, you know, but, but even now, like, I understand. I've been here seven years and there are still, even now I still get that from time to time. And I have days when I, I don't want to, I don't want to participate in this. Like, I don't want you to take my picture, please. But for the most part, I guess you've just got to go with it because no one's trying to offend or, or anything like that. And I think whatever negative feelings that you get from this kind of attention, the benefits still outweigh the negative, I believe, because there's a lot of things that you're going to have access to because you look different than the average person in China. For example, applying for a job is going to be easier for you. When you walk in a room, you often have access to the upper level management just because you're a foreigner. Um, so I think you got to really step back sometimes and just balance it out. If it's really something that you can't handle, then China's just not the place for you. Um, and that's totally understandable. I mean, there have been days when I just wanted to just like wring people's necks <laughs> for staring. I mean, especially in Chengdu, I would literally have people following behind me in a line like ducklings, just curious to know where I was going shopping and what I was doing and just following me around. Um, and that was really alien to me, and I found it very invasive. Um, but at the same time, I seem to be really, really well treated. Like, people seem to pay special attention to me. For example, I had an e-bike when I was there, and one time the tire was kind of flat, and I had a this little, like, restaurant owner running after me. <laughs> 
saying, oh, you know, like she's, at the time I didn't understand what she was saying, but she's waving her arms. And actually she just wanted to help me pump up my tires. Like I really don't think that would have happened if I was the average Chinese person. So no. it's like you have to think about the positives and the negatives together. You can't just separate all the negative. Like you're going to have days where all the negatives kind of seem to weigh on you, but then you just have to remember about the positives. And that kind of brings up one of the strategies that I think is good for people to do who might have struggled with culture shock is to write down those positive experiences that you do have. Mm. Those little moments where you do feel special or you do feel a part of the culture write those things down and try not to dwell as much on the negative so when you feel the negative thoughts coming in glance at your list um, and just remember all the good stuff that's coming out of this experience i think personally one of the biggest things that has helped me get over not necessarily culture shock but you know you get sometimes you feel like not lonely, but because you're in this perhaps bubble, I think Nora and I have referred to this being in this bubble, having friends and like having a really good group of people around you really helps. For, for me, like I'm not, I'm not a social butterfly, <laughs> but it's, it's great to know that you've, you can rely on friends and if you've had a bad day or whatever, you know, everyone's had those experiences. It's not just you. So even if you need to get out, like vent a little bit and you can laugh about it and be like, you know what, it's everyone's gone through these photo taking experiences or being stared at or whatever. You can chat, have a chat and then just let it go. I agree. And I think nowadays it's so easy to connect with other expats, mm. on whether it's on WeChat or whether you just follow somebody's blog online, if you're not in a city that has a ton of expats. Um, that you you can you can kind of combat that isolation exactly by connecting with other expats who have gone through similar experiences. Mm-hmm. But I, I just want to say that depending on what you want to get out of the, the experience, don't cling only to mm-hmm. the expats. Share your thoughts. If you don't speak Chinese, find a Chinese person who speaks English. Maybe you can share your thoughts with them and they can also give you perspective on maybe why some of these things are happening, the logic behind it. The more you understand the mentality, the easier it gets to let it go when this kind of stuff happens. Um, The longer I live here, the more I really like about, I mean, you just become really accustomed, you know, the, the, even like little things like the smells here. (laughs) Mm. So there are a lot of different smells. I mean, they literally have a food called stinky tofu, which smells like feet. And we had... It's worse than feet. Let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> which is worse for you? The smell of stinky tofu or the smell of durian? Oh, ooh, that's a hard one. Uh, stinky tofu is worse. You really had to think about that. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of things which may accost your nostrils, <laughs> which may surprise you and kind of shock your system. A uh, smell can be a really powerful trigger trigger emotionally. And so, like, I remember I was um, doing the class at Lego. So um, <laughs> a while back at the Lego headquarters, this big, beautiful building. And at the bottom, there was a guy with his little cart selling stinky tofu. Mm. So every time I left 
the building, I was just like flooded with this smell of stinky tofu. But now I feel like the longer I've been here, the more I get used to those kind of smells. And I actually begin to like them. The smell of anise, and they have like this fi- this very typical five spice mm. blend, or the smell of hot pot. Now it triggers memories in me that I've created over the years. And so those things kind of have slowly grown on me. Some of the sounds of China... Um, some of the instruments that they use and some of the singing has become very familiar to me and it's kind of like contributed now to a good experience where before it was kind of like just kind of noise to me so I feel like the longer you live here the more you're able to adapt to these kind of things which often accost your senses when you first come to China. So um, something you might experience um, when you first arrive in China, if you're eating a lot of Chinese food, especially spicy Chinese food, um, you might find yourself um, with what I would call an upset stomach. <laughs> But here it's known as la duza. Hot stomach. Hot, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And um, here, these kind of, like, if you need to go you need to go like people just like are not don't feel embarrassed about those kind of situations although in the west i think i know i'm sorry for this gross subject but i when i i was like researching and i found someone making a comment about this and i thought yeah it's a really fair point um you feel really embarrassed like oh like what, do I, what am i gonna do like i really need to go to the loo um here it's just no one cares so you kind of just got to drop your embarrassment. Actually, this is this um, embarrassment just in general. Like, don't feel embarrassed about so many things, and <laughs> just, just, just let, just, just go. <laughs> that's a huge point, and that's one of the things that I really love about life here in China is that I feel very uninhibited mm-hmm. because people here are uninhibited. You walk down the street and you hear people just singing, singing at the yeah. top of their lungs or they're literally taking a poo with the door open yep. talking to somebody else. Yep. Like, that doesn't really happen where I come from. Yeah. All people fart very publicly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's just a lot of stuff going on that we wouldn't consider... Mm-mm, normal mm. <laughs> in our society and here I find it really freeing like people are just dancing on the side of the street you know they don't seem to be embarrassed about these kind of situations and I personally find that extremely freeing mm-hmm. yeah actually this com- um, comes back to something that I had not recently but I, I, I really like in the last few years have it's dawned on me that we're so obsessed as foreigners with this idea of politeness and that some of the ways that Chinese people behave we think isn't polite but actually that's you know in the west okay we do things this way in China they do things another way and you just gotta just accept it that this is the way it is it's Um, a very communal environment I think we tend to be more private in a lot of facets of our life Mm in the West, but in China, they're so used to being under the watch of somebody else. You know, it just stems from their childhood. Most children today are raised by many people at once, mom, dad, two sets of grandparents, and a nanny, often. And so they're just used to being watched. And like for me, if somebody tells me to stand up in front of the class and like recite a poem or do a song or something like that, I buckle under that kind of pressure. 
And I can see Holly grimacing as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've just you just reminded me of a, something something that happened to me a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> Do tell. Oh, um, so I had gone. Uh, Barrett, my husband, had invited me to go to some like a friend's relative was opening some cosmetic boutique or something. It was basically just in like a little apartment. And I was completely unaware of what this was about, so I'd gone, uh, this was years and years ago, and basically it was a party, and I know I'd worked in a kindergarten, but apparently I was completely unaware to what this party was going to entail. There was, uh, sing- like, not truth or dare, but basically, like, just dares where they would, ask, you know, sing a song in Chinese or do this or do and I was dying inside like I could not get out of there fast enough and I was so embarrassed like the stuff they wanted me to do like just so stupid like child like games you would play as children mm-hmm. um, where who can you know you you everyone's just being silly but that idea of being silly in front of the other people or oh, like I was mortified but they're really good at that like they'll stand up <laughs> yeah. you take okay so we were working at that software company and mm-hmm. I feel like this is kind of a standard thing around yeah. the world. A lot of de- like software developers tend to be quite soft-spoken and kind of introverted. introverted. Yeah, and that was definitely not the exception in our company. Yeah. And so it was always really surprising when we would go out to these KTV, like right. the karaoke events, where you'd have this guy who's like you've never heard him say a word, and all of a sudden the team <laughs> leader's like, "Sing a song." <laughs> And then he stands up and he sings it. No problem. Yeah. No embarrassment. Nothing. Like they're they're very they're very trained to be uh, on display. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that KTV thing because it is everyone sings at KTV and no one is like embarrassed if they can't hit a note or whatever. Like all they say, no, 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 I'm not gonna sing. Every if you go to KTV, everyone sings and everybody's so supportive. As soon as you oh, start yeah. singing, it's just like, like clapping oh, yeah, right yeah, away. I think it's amazing. And even I, like someone who would never have dreamt of doing KTV, um, which is karaoke for those of you who don't know, I like now I do it and I'm. I'm kind of like, this is fun. Like, why Why do I feel embarrassed about this? It's and they've got the I'm... auto-tune now anyway, so yeah. <laughs> I think you sound awesome no matter what. <laughs> Speaking of singing, um, uh, I think it's really important, kind of going back to what I was talking about reading books, is to find a hobby, something that exists in the local culture that's interesting to you. Um, this may take some time. In China, some ideas would be learn to play Mahjong. If you're a board gamer or you like poker, Mahjong is a cool game Mm. to learn. And it's very social. And it's something that you can learn to play without a whole lot of language skills. If you you can get somebody who speaks English to explain the rules to you and play a couple times, Mm. it's something that you can play without speaking a whole lot of Chinese. Um, And they also have the variation of poker and Chinese chess, which is pretty similar to chess in the West. So you can also, of course it has its differences, but if you're a chess player, I think you could translate those Mm. skills into Chinese chess. Calligraphy is one that I've really loved. So I've done a few calligraphy classes here in Shenzhen. And actually when I was doing them, they were free. Like the government was offering these free culture classes. And so it was at no cost to me. And so I would go there and I would just feel very at ease because I wouldn't have to speak a whole lot. I would just listen to what the instructor was said was saying 
and he would demonstrate what he was doing. And so you don't need a whole lot of language skills to kind of follow along and try these things. Mm. Tai Chi is another one too. This is some kind of activity that doesn't require a ton of language skills and you can kind of catch on and do it along with the locals. This really helps to feel a part of the culture, to, to get connections, and to just keep yourself engaged. It's yeah. sometimes a lot, sometimes people tend to try to recreate their home life in a foreign country, and I think that can be really frustrating. If you're just kind mm-hmm. of in your own little world, you just kind of try to fit your standard of living into the new culture. That's, I feel like, when people run into more problems. Mm. Although I do think it's it's good for people to try and like live live life as they would also like, um, you know, to also continue with hobbies if they go to the gym at home, then join a gym here. If you like um, arts and crafts, then find a club. And these clubs are not necessarily just foreigners. There's lots of groups out there that are both uh, with foreigners and uh, Chinese people. So you can make friends with with everyone. And try to find things that you like doing at home that kind of that are kind of similar in China. So if you if you drink a lot of tea back home, you're you're probably gonna find some nice teas here in China, mm-hmm. which they'll be slightly different from what you're used to back home, but it'll be something that you can grow to like, or it may even be better than what you're used to back home. Something else that I would suggest you do, and this is before you come to China, is to learn some basic Chinese phrases. Obviously, I'm not suggesting that you arrive in China being able to speak fluently uh, with Chinese people, but just to learn a few things. Yes, no, I want this, I want, I don't want that. Um, will really help you in the beginning. Because I, I had so many, and I'm sure, Nora, you had the same kind of situations um, especially with like taxi drivers where there would be so many frustrating, situa- uh, frustrating situations um, because neither of us could communicate with each other. Um, it would just take the edge off the situ- your situation and make things um, a little more relaxing, maybe. Agreed. Along with the same lines of Chinese learning, I think it's important too when you get here to try to make an effort to learn so even if something small, one word, one phrase per day, that will help you in an everyday situation. Mm-hmm. So I do not suggest that you make a bunch of flashcards with like a ton of like random verbs and like nouns that you'll use maybe once in a while, but rather build your vocabulary mm-hmm. out of situations that happen on your daily basis. So like when you go to the shop, pretty much every shop vendor is going to ask you, do you want a bag? Yeah. So when you learn that phrase... Um, and bag is tight, by the way. When you go to the shop, um, you'll hear it every single day. So it's way easier to remember those things when it's happening in front of your face with the visual cue. They're pointing to the bag. Yeah. You know, learning things that you encounter on a regular basis will really help you to build your vocabulary. And don't get too frustrated in the beginning. It takes a long time. I mean, especially if your native language is a Western one. It's really hard in the beginning to start building those initial blocks. Um, just know that Chinese as a whole is a very grammatically simple language. And there's basically like this set of a thousand words that you need to learn. And then they're kind of like all put together and mixed around. And so once you have this base, 
it's much easier to grab on to the meaning of things, even more so than in Western languages. But that initial stage is, is tough to get over. So go with stuff that you hear and use on a daily basis. That's the, that's the way you begin learning the language. Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, I just want to mention our friends are in Chinese um, <laughs> because there's actually a really nice flashcard set that you can purchase. It's maybe three or four dollars maybe and it's got lists of very very basic words numbers fruits some food and drink um words that you will really need to use every day definitely so if you haven't downloaded the app you can get it at writtenchinese.com it's free to download and actually pretty much all the features are free to use mm-hmm. just like extra um additional flashcard sets as holly mentioned if you find them useful you can purchase them in the app and then you can actually use them online or you can use them on your Android or iOS. And that brings us into the word of the day. Mm-hmm. What is it? The word that I'll give you today is a word for culture shock. Oh. So it's wenhua, chongji. So wenhua is culture. And that's used very, it's a very common mm-hmm. phrase that you often. see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, chongji, so the character for chong, it's very similar to character for zhong which is in the word for China, Zhongguo, except for that it's got two dot lines and you often see it on the back of the bathroom stall because it's also used in the word for flush. So it means basically flush or a rush of water and ji means to hit. So chongji is like a shock or this wave that comes in and hits you. So it's wenhua chongji. So Holly will put a link to that word in our Chinese dictionary uh, within the show notes. And you can also add that to your flashcard sets if you're using the Chinese dictionary app. So check that out. Yeah, our show notes will be at writtenchinese.com slash episode 134. And we will link to everything we mentioned at the top of the show, our Patreon page, our kit, the dictionary. You can go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash chicks, And you can drop us a comment or leave us a review. We, we really appreciate those things. And um, if you have a question for us, you can go to writtenchinese.com slash voicemail. Um, but you can do as Hannah did and uh, also just leave us a written comment on Facebook or on writtenchinese.com and we will find you. Hopefully you will enjoy your time abroad and not deal too much with culture shock. But if you do, refer back to the show and hopefully you can glean some Mm -hmm. insights and help you cool down sometimes. Because if if you're looking for ways to get upset about living in China, you can easily find them. (laughs) Yeah, I think just remember that you would also have issues and day-to-day trivial things going on back in your home country so just get on with it that's right it's not always a chinese thing sometimes you just have bad days right if you're out there listening and you do have experiences with culture shock please leave your experiences for us and for the rest of our audience to read and learn about in the show notes as well you can leave them as a comment or you can send them as an email support at writtenchinese.com and we'll read them on the show we love getting feedback from people who have been here or if you have been another place abroad and you can share some of your tips and tricks for handling culture shock we'd love to hear that too so we hope that you tune in again for the next episode of the two white chicks in china podcast bye bye Thank you.